Blog Talk Radio. Because we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Yes, we're the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers number one. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Balbert Radio. I'm at... I'm at I'm joined by uh, somebody's been on the show once before, Jeremy. How are you doing tonight? I'm good, Matt. Thanks. Um, it's it was a last minute filling, but we got it, and I'm, it's good to be back on. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. It's fair to do this on Tuesday than Wednesday or Thursday, Thursday or any other night of the week. This is the night to do it, you know. Absolutely, especially on Super Bowl week. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Jeremy, did you know that this journey that began in the beginning of September is finally to is finally coming to a close this weekend? Oh my goodness! It feels like feels like eons ago. It was the 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 Tom Savage. Uh, it was before the Deshaun Watson starter days. But that feels like forever ago. But yes, the season is finally coming in to an end, and uh, a long season at that for. Um, Battle Red Nation, and uh, it, it'll be it'll be interesting. Though I think I think though that this is the two best teams throughout the entire season, and I'm looking forward to Sunday. I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should be a uh, the game should be a lot of fun, and I think for sure these are the best teams this year. You just kind of the curveball that is thrown whenever Foles is in there, and I don't think this is that good of a Patriots team compared to the other ones they've had. Better, you know, coached, and they make so many great adjustments in the second half compared to the rest of the league that uh, makes up for kind of like the talent issues that they have and some per- personnel decisions they made that didn't necessarily work out. Right. I actually think that um, if you, if we're really going to look at it, I think top to bottom, the most talented team just with the guys in the field, in my opinion, is actually um, the New Orleans Saints. And and I really think that the New Orleans Saints, they, I believe they brought like six or seven people to the Pro Bowl this year. And I think they had the best team top to bottom, but what makes the Eagles and the Patriots uh, above their uh, superior is the fact that they're well coached. They're possibly the two best. Um, they're the two best coached teams in the league. So I think it will be the war on the field is just as important as the war between Doug Peterson and Bill Belichick. And I think that it will be very um, – I think that the coaches are going to play just as big of a role as the guys on the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I guess before we start getting too deep into the Super Bowl, you know, let's talk about some of the Texans' news this week. Uh, there really wasn't a whole lot going on. They hired you know, one of the Pagano brothers to be an outside linebackers coach. The biggest thing was that the coaching staff was down in Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl, where they coached the South Side and made the rest of the Broncos coached North Side. Uh, the Tex, I guess I'm going to say the Texans. The South won that game before 16. So did you watch the Senior Bowl at all? You know what, Matt? I, I, I caught the highlights. I did not watch a lot of the Senior Bowl because I was at the Pro Bowl um, in Orlando. So I was busy covering that. Um, I caught the highlights. I saw uh, Traquan Smith hit the first touchdown for uh, wide receiver from UCF. So I was happy to see that. Happy to see uh, my UCF guys. And I don't know if you saw this, but – um. Okay, so Shaquem Griffin, the linebacker, also from UCF, he's gotten a lot of uh, national attention, mainly because um, he's he only has one hand, but mm-hmm. he really doesn't let that define him, and that he, he got a lot of media attention at the um, at the Senior Bowl, and one of them, in fact, he was supposed to go in on a play um, in punt coverage, and he was too, he was busy doing an interview. Uh, NFL Network was trying to do an interview with him, but he was supposed to be on uh, he was supposed to be on punt coverage, and they and the interview stopped him from going on punt coverage. So uh, hmm. that was a little disappointing. I wonder how Bill O'Brien reacted to that. I I didn't. He might have commented on it. I don't know, but uh, that would have been. I can't imagine what Bill Bill's reaction was during that game because even though the game was you know fourth quarter, it was a you know it was not even a close game at that point. I'm sure Bill O'Brien must have been mad pissed. And I wanted to see his reaction real bad. Yeah, it's funny that the Texans special teams can follow Bill O'Brien wherever he goes. 
Uh, when it comes to Griffin, why does he only have one hand? Because I, I, I've you know, seen him out there in the watching college football and all, but why does he only have one hand? So it was – well, he was born with both of his hands, but one of his arms, um, it, was, it was a birth defect. And okay. when he was four years old, um, he tried to he, – he, Shaquem Griffin, four-year-old Shaquem Griffin, tried to get a knife and cut off his own hand because the pain was that bad. Hmm. And the next day, it was amputated. And now he basically – there really is no main difference. I mean, he has he, – he wraps up guys. He it – doesn't, it doesn't seem to affect his play because he was the American Athletic Conference Defensive Player of the Year his junior year, so 2016, um, freshman year at UCF. And then um, this year he had another great season – um, I believe he was an All-American, at, uh, and um, he had a great Peach Bowl. And in the Senior Bowl, in the highlights and the practices, he looked he looked like he meant business. And I really think that um, – and he just got a combine invite today. That was also a big thing going against him was that he didn't have a combine invite. And I feel like people are just finding ways to hate on him because – you know, he's not supposed to be where he is, and he has fought twice as hard as everyone else, and he deserves to be at that combine. I can't wait to see what he does at the combine and uh, what he does uh, in the league. It's it's really exciting for a uh, UCF night like myself. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's awesome. I've watched some of his highlights, and I'll, I'll see how much of him I watch whenever the draft comes. I'm not a big college football draft person, but, you know, whenever you – in free agency, there's not a whole lot to do except for, you know, watch kind of draft shows and think about how kind of teams coming together. So we'll see if I watch him him. But I've always understood why he only has, you know, one hand thought maybe he got, you know, bitten by an alligator or something, uh, like Captain oh. Hook or or like oh, Chubbs no. from Happy Gilmore. But I, I really <laughs> had no idea at all why, why he only had that one hand. So that's interesting. Uh, the other piece of news that happened this week doesn't even involve the Texans at all. Um, that was the fact that it's tied. Are Dean Pease, which always makes me laugh, and Matt LaFleur would be their offensive coordinators. If you don't know, Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator for the Ravens past year. this past year. They were third in defensive DBA. The year before that, they were sixth in defensive DBA. And, of course, the Ravens have a defense that's heavily invested in with a lot of, you know, second to fifth-round picks. They're big monsters, and they have cornerbacks that they paid for. So it's not like he's taking a talented, talentless bunch to being a really great defense. He and still been able to to coach a great unit there. And Matt LaFleur was the former offensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams this year, and he only held that position for one year before moving over to Tennessee, where he will, uh, as expected, well, what's expected is they'll call the plays there. So are you worried at all that Mike Vrabel has been the other pretty good staff in Tennessee? You know, I mean, I I think I, I think he had a really good – like. Look, the Titans had a good team this past year. I think I think it's easy to say that, you know, they were ten and six, nine and seven, I forget. But they made they made the division around in the playoffs, and that's certainly not something to uh overlook. But here's here's what this makes me realize. He brought Dean Pease yeah, so uh you can laugh there if you want, Matt, but um <laughs> he brought Dean Pease out of retirement and he brought Matt LaFleur over from LA to the same position, which you, you rarely see that in, 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 in the NFL where a guy will go from one team to another, but it's not a vertical hire. It's, you know, he's getting he's the same position as the offensive coordinator and sure. Yes. He's calling plays, but still like he is, he, he's willing to you know move his family halfway across the country to go call plays with Mike, with Mike Vrabel. Like, I think this shows Mike Vrabel, and I think this is, might have been the reason why he was hired, is because Mike Vrabel has so many connections in the coaching world, and he probably said, if you bring me, this is who I'm bringing in on defense, this is who I'm bringing in on offense, and that must have been the reason why Vrabel was uh, hired as quickly as he was by the Titans, and I, I think that I think the Titans should be a threat to the Texans. I think 
that the Jags should be a threat too. But it, it's not like the Titans, because they brought in all these different people, I'm, I'm looking at them any more differently now than I, than I did last week when they didn't have, you know, Vrabel and Lafleur and Dean Pease. And the, the coaching staff doesn't put them over the top. That's what I'm, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is that that team as a unit is still very dangerous. And, but just because they bring in these new guys doesn't make them more dangerous. I, I mean, I disagree. I think it makes them a better football team because, what we saw last year was a defense that, you know, had some talent. I know I argue with BFD a lot about this, but they have three pass rushers in Casey, Morgan, and Rackpo who generated at least 35 pressures this year and eight sacks. They have, you know, a pretty good run defense with their two inside linebackers and Williamson and Woodyard. And they're kind of slowly eating up in coverage, and they were the worst team in football at covering short passes. But their defensive line has a lot of strong guys who can, you know, hold the point of attack and, Allow everybody else to kind of open up things up, and you know Casey's one of the you know ten best interior defensive linemen in football as well. And their secondary has talent, but they kind of underperformed. And you have Bayard getting all those interceptions and all that, but they couldn't stop. But they could they had trouble covering, especially you know short coverages. And the biggest reason why was that LeBeau is you know seventy two years old. He's still zone blitzing a lot. He's not really making you know correct and crazy up putting his guys in the best spots a lot of time. And just, like, the amount of zone that they play and the amount of times that their guys are chasing, their backs of ball just didn't work out, you know, very well at all. And I think by having a guy like Pease, you can still take that 3-4, and they kind of add, I think he can make that defense so much better than what LeBeau is able to. And they also add the fact that they have, you know, um, a top 20 first-round pick, and they do have some cap space of a chance to, you know, add immediately to that defense. And the offensive in the ball, their offense was counts like it was the year before. The difference was that they didn't score touchdowns in the red zone. In 2015, they scored a touchdown 72% of the time in the red zone, which is by far the best in the league. And last year, that figure dropped around to 40% or so. And they didn't have the touchdowns and very interceptions. But the biggest problem they had in offense was that they had the scheme that they were completely married to. And it was, you know, run the ball in first and second down, sprout to shotgun third down, try quick passes. And it's not a bad idea at all. Like the, the meth mouth thing worked. Last year, it worked this year. They're still top 10 run offense. But the problem is that you're not manipulating your offense based off the defense. You're running head first into the nine or a good run defense, but can't stop the pass. And you're doing that against teams all over the league, and you're struggling because of it. And so I don't know if LaFleur is going to be a good offensive coordinator or not. I think it's a variable thing that's occurring with him, or he hasn't shown anything at all. It shows he's going to be a good coordinator, but he has he checks all the boxes, you know, where he was – and their coordinator in Los Angeles, they are really good. But he didn't call plays, and that offense is really good because of McVay, not because of LaFleur. So who knows what he can bring. But if he's able to do anything as far as just changing that scheme up for the opponent they're playing, the Tennessee Times offense seem to be a lot better too. So, I mean, they have the talent there to win this division next year. And I think the biggest season was some bad luck, but I think mostly it was coaching. I think, I think that the Titans – they had a smart thing going, especially at offense. Um, yes, obviously their red zone struggles is where they need to improve, but they can run the ball about as good as any team in the league. And I hope, and I guess from the Titans' perspective, I would hope that they wouldn't deviate too far from that because they have something strong going there. Obviously, you know, I don't want the Titans playing that well. So, yes, throw the ball as much as you want. You know, play your weaknesses. But, you know, their strength, they are a run-first football team. Just like, you know, their their uh, their slogan is exotic smash-mouth football. And it's exotic because, hey, Mariota, and he runs and smash-mouth because they all can run the football. The best offensive line in the league, arguably. And they just need to – they can't lose too much focus. They need to continue to run the ball and, uh, you know, push the, push it down the field. Yeah, I, I, that whole special thing came from malarkey, so I don't know how much they're going to stay. But I agree. I wish they set the they're able to develop a diverse and you know, interesting pass game on top of it. Uh, Davis being good at football will be really important. The red zone stuff this year should be better because red zone stats are one of those numbers that really vary year to year. You'll, you'll swing high and up and down, and if you're really good – at one year, you're rarely really good at the next year. I really 
they, like you're saying, I hope they kind of keep that as a foundation and add to it. I hope they do things what the Jaguars did to the Patriots in last round, the conference titles, where they run a lot more RPOs to get things out on the edge. Uh, they get guys in more one-on-one matchups, kind of do their things. Because there is a is a skill talent there available for them. It'd be interesting to see what they do there. Uh, so you went to the Pro Bowl. Um, talk, talk a little about your experience there. You know, did you enjoy Jeff Fund out there in Orlando? How was the game itself? And were you able to talk to any players individually? Absolutely. So I was covering it. I was I was covering the Pro Bowl for Outsports.com, which is a part of the Estonation family. And I was basically I did get to talk to a lot of players actually. Um, it's my second year doing it, so uh, it was like kind of bringing me back. And uh, the thing is. Uh, you know, the Pro Bowl gets a lot of, you know, uh, trash. And it, you know what? Deservedly so. Like, it, it wasn't a very exciting game as it was. And, it, you know, because but the, the thing is, the Pro Bowl is not necessarily about the game. It's about the experience of the the amenities there. The reason why they brought it back to or, – uh, they brought it to Orlando in the first place was because so more fans – could come and experience Orlando. It was a lot more closer than Hawaii where, you know, you're going to get way more fans that want to come to Orlando, Disney World in the continent of the United States and have, uh, make a family vacation out of it rather than, you know, hop on a six hour flight to Miami and that's, or excuse me, Hawaii. And that's from, you know, the West coast and, you know, if you're you're not going to get very many you know Eagles fans coming over to, uh, or you know Patriots or Giants or all the all the Northeastern teams, you're not going to see them coming all the way to Hawaii to you know go to the Pro Bowl. Orlando's a little easier, and yeah, it was that that was what it was all about. It was a lot of fun. I went to the amenities there, the activities. Just it was a fun atmosphere. And uh, the game itself was in the press box, so I was dry. I was appreciative of that. And, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, some play- I was a little disappointed because this is the second year I've been, and no Texans have been there. Although there were, uh, there were actually three ex-Texans there. I wanted to see, Matt, if you can name the three ex-Texans that were at the Pro Bowl. Here's a little close for you. AJ Boye. Okay, that's one. Uh, I mean, he's the only one that matters of all, of course. That is true. Mm. One of them plays for the NFC. I always forget about the NFC. Uh, Brandon, well, Brandon Brooks wasn't there. He's in. He wasn't. Say Glover Quinn. Glover Quinn was there, I assume. Was he there? I don't think so. No, he wasn't there. Oh, he I couldn't there. tell you. So Dwayne Brown was there. Okay, gotcha. And I spoke with him, and the one that I didn't expect you to get, and the one that I actually had to look up, um, Clark Harris, a long snapper for the AFC. Uh, he's now in Cincinnati, but and I think he was the only Bengal there, other than Geno Atkins. So I did. He was. I saw him like once or twice on the field, but uh, not a lot of Clark Harris action for all those you know Clark Harris fans out there. But I did actually get to talk to AJ Boye. Talked to him about Houston and, you know, pleaded him to come back. Um, it was to no avail, but um, it was worth a try. Um, spoke to a lot of guys, um, Antonio Brown, LaShawn McCoy, uh, Devontae Adams. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it, I kind of starstruck, you know, me just being, you know, a teenager, getting to talk to these, you know, big giant football players that I've, you know, learned to, you know, look up to and idolize in a, in a way, but it was, it was a lot of fun. Certainly very uh, grateful to be there and uh, can't wait for next year, man. Yeah. Did, did you ask, did you tell AJ Boy to be chest tag for me? <laughs> I, I, I should have next, next year though. I'll, I'll bring it up to him for sure. All right. Well, yeah. Last words was planet for sure. Um, I'll, I'll never get over that. That was just so unbelievably dumb. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's enough of that. Let's talk about the football game that's going to happen this weekend. Like the conference-style games. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, like the conference-style games before it, like the division round games before it, too. The Philadelphia Eagles are, again, the underdog. 
and they are uh, the Patriots are four and a half point favorites. I'm not gambling on this game. I'm never gambling again. Uh, I lost money. I bet Falcons in the Super Bowl week eight last year, doubled down on it. And I would have paid out like $800, and of course they lost. And I thought, you know, I don't have any dogs in this time. Let me try this in. And no, I, I, I got one bet, right? And that was the Titans beating them. Not beating them, no. the Titans covering against the Chiefs. And that was it. And the rest of it has just been hellacious. But anyways, yeah. I'm not gambling, but the Patriots are four and a half. One half favorites in this one. Now that I want to touch start immediately with the coaching that you brought up because Doug Peterson has used two different offenses in the playoffs so far. First week in the divisional round against the Falcons, it was a lot more RPO, a lot more passes, a lot of you know quick slant routes, a lot of quick out routes, and just kind of grinding and doing enough and then allowing their defense to kind of take over uh, from there. Then against the Minnesota Vikings, the Vikings defense. You know, played really aggressive with their safeties. Uh, they weren't able to give a pass rush, and they took a lot of shots downfield, and they closed. And Nichols hit on six out of seven of those passes. One drew a pass interference penalty. One pass he missed on Torrey Smith actually dropped. And he threw two touchdowns for 130 yards of six completions downfield. So how do you think the Eagles are going to call this game? Are they going to be more you know, conservative with the quick passes, or are they going to try to you know, go downfield again? Three words, time of possession. And that is how the Eagles are going to play this game. That's Look, that's what the Jags tried to do uh, in the AFC Championship, and it, it nearly worked. I mean, they at, at the end of the third quarter, the Jags had had the ball for two, two-thirds of the game. And the Jags were winning for uh, right up until, you know, the latter half of the fourth quarter. And – that is what the Eagles need to do. They have such a – they have a dynamic, you know, running game where they can they can put you with LeGarrette Blunt. just, you know, you can count on him to get, you know, four or five yards if you need it. Uh, goal line, he, he's your guy. Uh, but then you also have Jay Ajayi who could, you know, burst off for a 20, 30-yard run on any given play, really. And then Corey Clement, the rookie from Wisconsin, uh, he's a change of pace back for them. And – you know, we'll probably see him on a couple of third downs. Um, and it's, it's a shame they don't have Darren Sproles because um, Darren Sproles really deserves to make a Super Bowl at some point. But, uh, you know, I guess I guess he'll get a ring if the Eagles win, which will be deserved. But uh, that is how the Eagles are going to win this game is you got to keep Brady off the field and you got to just keep um, – and you got to make sure that Foles doesn't make mistakes. And I think that's a lot of what they've done so far in the playoffs is Foles is very, he's very protective of the football. He's not one that has given up turnovers. I don't believe he's given, given the ball up in the entire postseason. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but um, he's, he's very, very uh, safe with the ball. Um, He's not making errant choices, but also, um, he hasn't really been in a position to make those errant choices. I think that's because of the, the strong play calling from Doug Peterson, uh, Doug Peterson and, and company. And I think the Eagles will win this game if they can play keep away for just the right amount of time. The Falcons also tried to do that a little bit um, in the Super Bowl last year. But as soon as, you know, Brady gets the ball, in the, in the third quarter, it's like, it's like at that point, you know, it's not worth it. And even when they were winning the Falcons, what they should have done is they should have kept on running the ball out and running the clock out. And had they done that, they probably would have won the Super Bowl. but nope, they did not. They gave the ball right back to Brady and Brady did his thing. As long as they can prevent Brady from being Tom Brady, the Eagles will have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a chance regardless, I think. I think the Eagles have the better football team uh, talent-wise, and really it's just kind of what you're thinking you're going to get out of Foles because that's a big question mark. Because, I mean, like he's had two good – he's had one good game this entire season. He wasn't good against the land. He just threw a lot of wide-open throws. And, uh, and he didn't have to really do anything at all. And then last week he made, you know, six spectacular throws and was great then. And, yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. I think Pearson's done a great job play-calling. He set up a lot of open throws for uh, Foles just with, with how they attack. And I don't, I don't think the key at all for 
you know, Phillies to control the clock and time possession of all that. I think the key is to you be methodical in how they move the ball as far as what you're saying. But whenever New England goes to you know one safety set, because they struggle to stop the run, they're going to have to load the box to stop you know Jai and Blunt. And you know, the Eagles have such a better offensive line than the Patriots' defensive line. But whenever they have one safety deep back there, Foles has to take shots deep. You have to hit some shots deep. Um, Stephon Gilmer can't cover Alshon Jeffrey. You know, can beat Malcolm Butler. They don't have a linebacker that can cover Zach Ertz. Manila Fogler is really good at all those little, you know, crossing routes and stuff that New England struggle with at times. Seeing Jackson's too. So, I mean, I really think that's the key is just going to be if Fultz can you know, make it up field because you're not going to beat New England if you only score 20 points. You have to score you know, 27 or whatever and that sort of thing. And I know you mentioned that also about the Falcons, but Jaguars did the same thing. They did the opposite in the conference title where they didn't throw the ball. They had the ball to try to hold on on the clock out, and they lost because of that. And the Falcons shot went for it for the win, and you know they lost because of it. So I don't think there's one strategy at all. It's all about what you should do in the in the moment based off what the defense is giving you. But I think this game offensively for Philly is going to be if Bowles can hit those throws downfield, New England goes to those one safety looks. Mm-hmm. And I, you know what? Actually, now that you mentioned this, uh, I was actually when I was at the Pro Bowl, um, I actually was able to listen to a conversation between. Dennis Allen and Derek Carr, and mm-hmm. they were talking about the Patriots. Patriots were a lot of um, the subject of a lot of conversations that I ended up dropping on in the in the in the Pro Bowl, and they're just talking about how you know good they are. It wasn't it was a, it was like a respect kind of thing, like wow they're good. And this is what Dennis Allen had to say. Dennis Allen, obviously you know former Oakland Raider coach, now current DC for the Saints, and he said that the Patriots. They don't beat teams. They wait for teams to beat themselves. And it just made so much sense. Is The, the Patriots, you can always count on them doing their, um, doing their game correctly because they have Tom Brady. They have Belichick. They, they are always consistent in how they win their football games. And usually it's... It, the time comes for someone to, you know, make a mistake or to not do enough. And I think the Eagles are a team where they might be able to, to beat the Patriots because they are a lot like that as well. They play their game and they win and they don't necessarily need other teams to beat them. They, they, they really haven't encountered a, a game this season, I'm going to exclude week 17 against the Cowboys where the Eagles have, you know, come out and just, you know, laid an egg. They really haven't done that. And even in the playoffs, mm-hmm. they haven't done that. So they let other teams beat themselves. And I think it's just going to come down to execution of the game plan is, are the Eagles going to execute their game plan or are the Patriots who's going to do it better? It's not necessarily going to be about who's, who, um, who beats whom, about who beats themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I see what you're saying. I, I think also, like, the game can be really fluid in this game, too, where last week, whenever you had that Patriots-Jaguars game, just pretty much just every Patriots game in general, in the second half, they make they do such a good job making adjustments. You know, the Jaguars went up on 14-0, or they were up on 14-10 going in the half and they only managed to score six points in the second half. They never got past New England's 25-yard line. And this is a defense that, you know, is probably the 22nd best defense in the league. Uh, no matter who your quarterback is, you shouldn't only get to the 25-yard line against that defense. But there are no adjustments to, you know, cover up what Jacksonville did well in that first half. And so what they did was they mapped them outside with their personnel by putting, you know, four guys on the edge in their bunch of formations. That squashed all the RPOs. Uh, that squashed the outside running game that they had success with. That squashed a lot of the quick screens that they had going on as well. Whenever the Jaguars, whenever they saw zone coverage, they did a really good job audibling to the line and flooding those zones, putting a one player in conflict, seeing where he would go, and then make a throw from there. They did a really good job using rub routes whenever they saw man coverage too. And they took shots downfield on the sidelines whenever there was only one guy there because they're the Patriots. They knew they were going to get past interference penalties too. 
And through all, all this, you know, they got their defense on balance again, where first and 10 was an inside run they were able to stop. You know, third and seven became a shotgun, you know, so, and they were able to they quickly kind of come back together. And the way they played, the way the first half didn't look anything at all like their second half. And it seemed like the Jaguars just kind of helped play as well, too. So in this game, I, I think something similar is going to happen where I think we're going to have the first half that's going to look completely different than the second half because of how good both the Eagles are at switching their plans, their plans are based on the opponent, and the Patriots are as well, too. So what do you think? Do you think see kind of two different football games in this one? Um, I see. Um, what I'm trying to see is I think this is going to be a tight contest throughout. I don't think a team is going to take more than a 10-point lead. Um, I I can see this game coming down in the final minutes just like every single Patriots Super Bowl has. And I, and, and I think a lot of it will have to do with who can – I agree with you there on that where I think it's, a lot is going to come down to who makes the adjustments in the second half. And the Patriots are the – from their uh, from their in-game adjustments, so advantage goes to the Patriots on that on that one, and I actually do think the Patriots uh, will end up taking the Super Bowl just because I I, ha- I have a hard time seeing Brady lose. I have a hard time seeing it. I mean, I've seen it before. We've all seen it before, but at this point in his career, I just I can't see it. Yeah. Well, and going to the game with the Jaguars Patriots, I thought the Jaguars had a shot, which they did. It was mainly because they have a really great pass defense. And in a lot of these games, we have a great defense against a great offense, a great defense usually ends up winning that game. And I thought they would do it by, you know, getting really good pressure on their front four, especially interior pressure from Lee Jackson and Campbell. And then with their corners on the outside, they could you maybe get a big turnover and you know, set up an easy throw, and then they would do just enough on offense. And you know, that didn't happen. They couldn't get any, they couldn't get a pass rush with their interior at all. Fowler was the only one to get any sort of pressure. And even then, he, he had one quick sack and really didn't do a whole lot after that. And they didn't play you know, really tight man coverage on the outside. They were mainly off. A lot of it was just by doing a good job mopping up and you know, tackling quick passes. But you still kind of by default, whenever you compare one team playing against the Patriots, you're thinking about other teams that beat them and how did they beat them. And can Team X do this, you know, same thing, keep trying to fit in the formula? And with the Jaguars, I think it was more fitting, you know, when I, when I wrote about it. I think it was fitting, you know, a square peg in a round hole. But I think with the Eagles, it's not doing that all Because if you look at their the two Super Bowl losses the Patriots have, it's been against a team who's able to get pressure their front four and then in the New York Giants. And that's what the Eagles do. That's what they're best at is they have a really great defensive line. And it's not a four-deep defensive line. They have guys that can play there. They have Vinnie Curry. They have Chris Long. And they have Derek Barnett. And they have Dr. Cox. They have Brandon Graham. They have that giant wide guy from Wisconsin, uh, who I can never remember his name. And uh, but they have you know seven guys that they can get pressure with with their front four. And the other thing on top, and they have Tim Jernigan as well. And then thing on top of that is that they blitz now. And Jim Schwartz usually never blitz at all this front four, but now they have Malcolm Jenkins and DeKalb. Uh, he actually will blitz with his with his defensive backs too, and that creates some free rushes as well. So, but they're a team that can get to Brady a lot. They can hit him a lot. Their corners aren't that great. They have to play you know seven or eight yards off the line of scrimmage with them and because of how quick they get pressure uh, and how good their safeties are coming attacking. It's all you know it all kind of works out. So, are you thinking that the that the Eagles are good enough of a pass rush to kind of ruffle Brady, or is he just going to be able to do his thing kind of quickly pass and? Uh, and march to New England down the field over and over again? I, I think that at the beginning of the game, he'll struggle uh, just because, you know, the Eagles the Eagles are the best pass rush in the league. And um, and that's certainly something that he'll have to adjust to because he's not he hasn't seen this pass rush. I mean, it's been two years since they played the Eagles, and a lot of these guys that, you know, he's played against uh, that are on the Eagles – front seven he hasn't you know like Jernigan wasn't there two years ago um Derek Barnett wasn't there two years ago Malcolm Jenkins I don't believe he was there too much I think this is his second year so yeah um 
so he's going to have to adjust. But Brady is one of the smartest guys in in football, and he'll find a way to adjust. He always seems to find a way to adjust. And that's what he did against the Falcons last year. It's what he did against the Jaguars in the AFC Championship. And he'll find a way. Yeah. And I, I thought, you know, I mean, I think they're going to struggle. And but I think it's going be better than what people are expecting because last week, I mean, their offensive line did a spectacular job against the Jaguars. Nate Solder completely swallowed up in Gawkway. Uh, their center and guards did a great job doubling and helping on Campbell and Jackson. You know, Shaq Mason did a really good job at blocking Jackson all on his own. And they did a really nice job doubling Campbell from there. And the only guy who had any trouble was Fleming with, you know, Fowler, but that was really only one rush where he got beat really badly. Other than that, you know, Brady had plenty of time to throw, and the pass rush wasn't an issue. But as good as the Jaguars' front four is, uh, the Eagles' front four is better because you have Cox and Graham on the inside, and they're two spectacular interior rushers. They want such a surprisingly good exterior rusher at his age and also kind of like how they get down this year. And also compared to how he played last season with New England. And Derek Barnett's a, like a really like you know, impact pass rusher as well, too. And just all together, and then you add the safety blitzes and everything. Uh, it's, a, it's a fearsome thing. So, I don't know. Like, heading into it, at first, you know, thinking about it, I thought you know, it was going to be hell on earth for Brady. But after just the way this offensive line performed against Jacksonville, against a not as good defensive line, but still a really good one, I think he's still going to have time to throw. But there's going to be instances where he's not going to get away from this game by only being sacked twice. He's going to be sacked you know, probably four or five times in this one. That's I that's that's kind of what also I'm expecting is I'm expecting him to get down, but I can go right back up and you know make the third and long pass. Well, it's probably gonna be like this: it'll be like first down, you know, one yard run, second down, you know, five yard sack, third down, twenty yard play, first down, and just move the chain because <laughs> yeah, the it's, it's I mean like it'll be like a it'll be like a twenty yard you know, like dump off to, you know, Dion Lewis or something like that, or, uh, you know, like a, like a weird, you know, pass interference call on Dwayne Allen or something, just something ridiculous. But, you know, the Patriots, they, they always seem to find a way. Yeah. And I, I think Cook have a really good game as well, too. Just the amount of coverage they're going to play because they're afraid of beating, winning deep downfield. And I think you're just going to see if he gets any more, you know, kind of crap bad, you know, pass interference penalties called for him, uh, like he was able against Jacksonville. But that deep curl route that he ran over and over again against Jacksonville, that route's going to be there against Philadelphia. They play that same similar, you know, off-man coverage. And and so they kind of stick with it. They don't play a whole lot of zone. They play a lot of man. But they, with, and they play cover on Robert, too, where you have one, their strong safety, kind of in between their free safety back deep. And then they do a good job coming down and tackling. And also, Kendricks is such a good Good linebacker. I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league. And Brown's a run stopper as well, too. But those, like, those, I think the quick routes are going to be there. But it's going to be there, kind of more the downfield passing routes and those deep curl routes to the sideline. And then, if I assume Gronk's going to play, but his ability to get up in the middle of the field to kind of put the safety is going to be important, too, in this one. Now, I mean, talking about Gronk, because I mean, I'm reading, like, mixed reports, and I feel like there there really is no telling if he's going to be ready or not uh, just because concussions are just so, you know, gray area. But if he plays, if he if he doesn't play, is that – how much of a loss is that for, for New England? Is that really going to make a lot of a difference? Uh, I mean, I think – I don't get my prediction just yet. Obviously, it's going it's to be an enormous difference, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to – so then from Lincoln losing just because they played very well without, you know, him last weekend or a conference championship as well too. And, you know, they, they have some other tertiary and secondary players that they can get the ball to as well. Uh, that mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be you know, the end of the world. If they don't have them. Yeah. I mean, like Gronk's a great player and of course he's a difference maker, but also, um, if he's not playing, you know, the, the Patriots have found ways to win with and without him. So I think that play, I think that people are, when they say there's, you know, it's, Oh, it makes all the difference. It, I don't think it does. I think that, uh, you know, I, there's so many skill players that the, the Patriots have that always, you know, come through. I mean, who, who thought James White was going to come into the Super Bowl last year and catch 10 balls and get the game winning touchdown. Like someone from, 
you know, it's the next man up for the Patriots. It's not James White. It's Deion Lewis. It's not Deion Lewis. It's, it's um, it's shoot. Uh, there's so many of them. I can't even name them all. It's Brandon Cooks. It's not uh, Brandon Cooks. It's Hogan. It's they they can win so many different ways, and I think that is what's going to be Philly's challenge is how are they going to be able to contain all of these guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they do have you know five attacks whenever they have to go in you know, dime formations, they get kind of spread in a little bit as well too. Um, and I, I mentioned Jim Schwartz blitzing. Do you think he's going to dare to blitz his safeties at all against, against New England, or are they just kind of, or if they're just going to you know kind of rush forward back and coach from there? I think he'll be. I think. I. It's a good question, but I think I think he will because, um. I think I think it's worth the risk. I, I think that you have to at least try, um, and hope that your corners can go one on one. And the one matchup though that concerns me is if they do, you know, bring a safety in, you know, and they leave Cooks one on one with no safety help. Um, how are they? Can, can they? Can they beat that matchup? And I don't think they. they I don't think that there is a corner that can take Brandon Cooks one on one and win consistently. I think that Brandon Cooks will get his if he's you know being left one on one on a in a corner. Um, mm-hmm. So Jim Schwartz got to be careful because I do think there there is of course benefit in 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 bringing your safety into blitz, but you know, you, you do leave that you know, man wide open, and Brandon Cooks is one fast receiver. So, um, best of luck to those Philly corners because uh, you know, Jalen Mills and Patrick Robinson, and hopefully, hopefully uh, they put their faith in him because getting Malcolm Jenkins to rush in on, on third down for blitzes and, and just any blitz for that matter is going to, you know, be important for them because they do need to give Brady that kind of pressure because that that is how they're going to win because that is what their bread and butter is. What, that will make the defense so good is they can, you know, be able to blitz and be able to rush the pass better than any team in the league. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just Cook's own deep passes, and they're always going to keep the safety deep. You can't, you know, bring both of them in. Um, but it's also Hogan's really great at uh, making catches downfield. He really hasn't this year because of the injury he suffered. But last year, you know, he was phenomenal going deep downfield. You also have the wheel routes that you have to defend as well. And, uh, and then you have Amendola kind of in that Edelman role now as well, too. But I think the, the key for the safety blitzes for Philly is going to be if to use them whenever New England doesn't have anybody on the edge. You know, not you, like if they have a receiver lined up tight to the last scrimmage, don't use the safety blitz then. Use it whenever you have kind of a, a free rush that can get there as quickly as possible. Because if you don't, and they chip, and they have you know, somebody can get a hand on them or whatever and slows it down, that's going to be so much easier for Brady to be able to take that shot downfield. And so I think they're going to call the blitzes, and they should. Uh, they have to be aggressive. Peterson's aggressive. You know, they have to go for him fourth down. They have the opportunity to do so. They have to get Brady. They have to bring him down time. But to be able to audible and call those blitzes off whenever they have these sort of tire bunch formations, I think is going to be kind of the key for those blitzes for them. Yeah. Well said. Uh, the the other question I have for you is the Eagles offensive line. You know they're spectacular. Lane Johnson's incredible. Brandon Brooks is the second best guard in football. Uh, Kelsey is the best center in football in my book. Stephen Wisniewski, the left guard, is severely underrated. The one problem is their left tackle Vitae, not very good, but he's so much better than what he was. So like, he's good at reaching guys. He's quick. He's good at blocking at the second level. But he, has, he struggles in pass protection, especially with spin moves. Uh, bull rushes can eat him up soon. Can eat him up too, and he really whiffs. He like he really whiffs, and that's the one weak spot on the on the Eagles' offensive line. Do you think there's any chance that all of the Patriots can be able to get to him and attack him? And is there a pass rush that you should be watching for? You know, in passing situations to be able to take advantage of Vitae in one-on-one situations. Yeah, I think I you know considering it's also the blind side. Um, that is where you would want to. Um, I think that's the, the obviously that's going to be the spot that they're going to try to expose. And I, I mean, it's a shame that Jason Peters can't play because Jason Peters is, you know, he's played I want to say eight nine years in the league, all for Philly. He's, you know, been 
to several playoff runs with them. And, you know, the, the year they finally go to the Super Bowl, he gets hurt. But um, I would say that if any pass rusher is going to um, be given the green light on Vitae, it would probably be Trey Flowers. I think he's had the most success this season among uh, among Patriots pass rushers. Um, and that that is who I would expect to um, to have a to have the best chance to take advantage of Vitae and that that weak spot on the Eagles offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think so too. And he's their best pass rusher. And I also think we're going to see some of those stunts where he'll crash inside and then they'll loop Kyle Van Noy around the edge. Uh, and also Landon Roberts, number 52 at Winston University of Houston. He's been in the league for two years. He's a, he's a fast player as well too. Took over for Dante Hightower. And it's a shame he was, he was injured this year, but uh, Landon Roberts can be also be you know, widely used in that way too. So then they'll, they'll do one, two things. They'll have them isolated out there with flowers, or they're going to run some of those e- um, I guess those would be – not a TE stunt, but I guess it's not an ET stunt either, but I guess an end – I don't know, end-edge stunt. But they'll do some things like that uh, as well too probably. Now, that's, that's pretty much all I have as far as like matchups and that sort of thing. I guess the last thing I have is I think the biggest matchup for the Patriots defense is going to be Malcolm Brown against Wisniewski, Kelsey, and Brooks. He's their best front seven player. Uh, he had a really great game against Jacksonville. He's going to have to hold the hold that focal point, the defense. He's going to have to not get too far afield whenever they pull. He's going to have to hold on to you guys at once and let things open up for their linebackers. Uh, do you think you, do you think it ha- he has it in him? Do you think Malcolm Brown's going to be able to hold on against you know Peters, Wisniewski, and Brooks in this game? Absolutely. I think. Um... I think you really can't you really can't um, count out a guy who you know he did this last year. I mean Malcolm Brown was he was he was their best uh, D lineman last year, and uh, he was you know the Atlanta Falcons offensive line was also a very very solid offensive line. Uh, several Pro Bowlers on that offensive line, and um, I think. I think it'd be crazy to think that Malcolm Brown is going to go, you know, MIA in this game. I mm-hmm. would, I would be, you know, Mark, I would be definitely watching that matchup for sure. But also this is the, like you mentioned, uh, Matt, this is probably the best interior lineman in the whole game. It's, uh, you know, it's the second best guard in the game, Brandon Brooks, the best center in Jason Kelsey and a very, very good Stephen Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also the Eagles run against Sonom Watch, too, because they run outside zone, they run inside zone, and they also run that outside zone where, like, rather than have the center reach the three technique and take over the guard come up, the center will pull around the guard and go up to the linebacker, which is always interesting. And they also run that weird uh, play that I, I don't even know what you even call it. I haven't seen a name for it at all, where you'll have the you know, tackle block down, and the guard pull around him on the end, and the tight end go up to the linebacker. And so they do a lot of really weird pulling. It's not conventional, just counter and power. It's a lot of just really kind of strange pulling, too. And New England's really disciplined. They, they'll probably be coached up to do a good job against those plays, too. But just sure, as far as just, like, talent versus talent, uh, I think Philadelphia's going to really have their way with New England's front seven. And I think it's also, like, Kyle Van Noy's not that good of a player, too. And so I can see LeGarrette Blunt running all over him, uh, running through Roberts as well. And I think this, you know, ground game is really going to set up a lot for, you know, Foles to have some open throws as well too. So that's all I have as far as the, the matchup itself. And let's do some predictions. Uh, heads or tails, what's going to be the coin toss in this game? Oh, man. That's really a coin flip. Um, tails <laughs> over tails. All right. All right. What, who do you think is going to be the first person to score a touchdown this game? Mm, I'll go with uh, Le- yeah. okay. If it's Philly, can I get two answers? Can I give one for Philly and one for New England? Yeah, you only get one. You only get one. Oh man, okay. Um, you know what? We'll go with um, we'll go with Legarrette Blunt. 
like a two-yard run. Mm-hmm. I'd say LeGarrette Bourne as well, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, we agree on that. Yeah. yeah, the halftime spread is New England, negative three. Who do you have after the first half? Um, I would go with – I'll go with New England on that one. Okay. And then – the total score, the the overall money line is forty eight and a half points. Do you think more than forty eight points forty and a half points can be scored in this game? Um yes. I would take over. Yeah, me too. And Thunder's not not fine at all either. Uh, who's your MVP? Who do you think is gonna win M V P in this one? Oh, it's gotta be Brady. Yeah. Yeah, I think Brady mm-hmm. as well too. And what's your what's your final prediction in this one? Um, we'll go twenty twenty uh twenty eight twenty four New England because I actually have it. I actually think that uh I think that Philly is going to get the the spread, but I don't think they're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's how I see it too. I think New England's going to end up winning and. I mean, I think this is a bad matchup for the Patriots. Uh, I think the Eagles can 100% beat them. I think the Eagles have a better football team. But it's, I don't know, like it's just, the only reason I'm picking the Patriots is because I have a very smooth brain and I'm a simple man. And it's, you know, Brady and Belichick, and they usually win, you know, the Super Bowl, they usually win the big games and all that. And you're picking against them. You're picking, you know, the, the minority of the time that it happens. But I do think the Eagles are going to give it to New England. I think they're going to be up at halftime. I think they're going to be up for you know, a good amount of the game. But the Patriots are just going to make more adjustments. Braves just going to be better. And they're going to end up pulling away in the fourth quarter and you know, win a close one. And I see it being something like that, like 27-25 or you know, 28-26. I think see some new strange score like that, 31-29. Uh, something along those lines. I think Foles is going to have a good game because his defense isn't good. But it's just not going to be good enough. Wasn't I think thirty one twenty nine was the score of the uh or no, was it thirty two twenty nine was the the Patriots Panthers Super Bowl. It was one of the yeah, But um well, I think is what's gonna I think it's gonna be like the uh the Steelers Cardinals Super Bowl where it was you know, the Steelers were winning the whole game. The Steelers were expected to win. The Steelers uh were up the whole game, then the Cardinals took a lead in the fourth quarter and then you're like Wow, the Arizona Cardinals are about to win the Super Bowl, and then the Steelers were like, "Yeah, nope." Um, and San Antonio Holmes made his now iconic catch in the end zone. So that's what it's going to be. It's going to be, you know, Tom Brady's up, and you know, the Patriots are going to be up. Then you're going to be like, "Oh, the Eagles take a lead." Is Nick Foles really about to win the Super Bowl? Like, is he really about to do it? And then Tom Brady's being like, "Yeah, nope," and it will be some like ridiculous touchdown. It will be to Danny Amendola because, of course, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, and God doesn't exist, and that's what's gonna be happening. And I think I, I'm, I'm so like I've learned my lesson, and, and I like I wasn't even expecting it to happen, but I like I know like ever since 2011, I'm just never oh this yeah this is probably gonna happen this way. I never never expect any team to win. I think no lead is safe. I think you know all these teams at this point at the stage are all too good, and not the way offenses are. You know how much how much easier is a score nowadays as well. Uh, that no no lead is safe, no game is safe. So even if it is like that, I'm never going to fully expect Bulls to win the Super Bowl until it happens. Like I'm not going to fully expect New England to win uh, until it happens. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really great Super Bowl. I think it's going to be a fun way uh, to end this year, and it's been a really great postseason too, which has been uh, you know uh, just such a a wonderful bonus after kind of just a banal and dragging season. You know, watching the Texans play every Sunday. Absolutely. That's that's honestly, I'd I'd rather have a good Patriots win than a bad Eagles win. If you know what I'm trying to say? I'd rather have yeah the Patriots win, but it be a really good game than the Eagles win and be you know a blowout. Um, I I'm hoping for a good game, and uh, I think we are. I think I think this is we had two teams that are I think very evenly matched and uh, could go either way. I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles won, but um, it, 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 would, it would surprise me, I guess, a little bit because of the, of the whole idea, but you know what? I think, I think the Eagles don't get enough credit. I think that 
you know, teams wrote him off when went towards ACL and you know, rightfully so. I think, uh, you know, obviously when the leading MVP candidate, you know, tears his ACL, you're going you're, to, you're going to be underestimated. And that's what they've been since the end of the season when he got hurt. And, you know, now this is the chance for the rest of the team to prove themselves, to, you know, not be defined by their quarterback. That's why they were underdogs for the first, you know, for all three of their games. And if they can win, they might be the first team to be an underdog in every single game and win the Super Bowl. I don't think any team has ever faced those kind of odds and win. Um, So I'm going to be like everyone in America, and I'll root for the Eagles, but I'll be happy for a good game. Yeah, I prefer yeah, the Eagles to, to win a to win a blowout than have the Patriots win the course. But I think to me, a good game. Mm-hmm. Where where are you watching the Super Bowl, Matt? I, I'm kind of curious. Uh, well, I'm I'm boring right now. I'm not going out. I'm not uh, drinking any alcohol or changing my brain chemistry whatsoever. You know, I don't do that. Also, I'm a working man. You know, but yeah, I'm not I'm not drinking or doing anything fun for the first few months this year, waiting for the sun to always be out. So I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm probably either – I may go somewhere and watch and drink some carbonated water or uh, maybe make some chili, have some friends come over. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not having a lot right now at all. It's not about the alcohol. It's about the food. I'm on, I'm on good food because I'm in college. I'm always hungry. Yeah. I'm I may make some chili, but I don't eat – I'm not eating any junk food. I haven't had a carb in like four weeks. So I may make some chili. This is why the Super Bowl is here, just for you to eat carbs. That's exactly why we're having the Super Bowl now. (laughs) Nah, it's not going to happen. It's been too strong and too good. Uh, I admire your willpower. I'm not as strong. I will be eating my life away. Yeah, I wish. I wish I could eat a slice of pizza. I I ate crouton on Saturday night, and I was so mad. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I I dreamed and I drank three beers and I was so mad too. But I've been good. I've been good. I've been staying strong. So I don't have any really big plans, but I'm sure I'll do something. Or if not, I'll just watch the game with the dog and uh, and and have something fun happen. You know, yeah, with the dog, the underdog, give him like the uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe I'll cut his face off and put it on my face. And all the Eagles players apart from your dog. Yeah. Yeah, or I'm gonna I'm gonna cut his face off and put it on my face to to watch the game. That's there a good go. way to do it as well, too, if the Eagles win. But that's there all you. I got for tonight. Do you have anything else you want to add or anything that you're just dying off your chest or any um, last you know, things that popped in your brain? Next year in Atlanta, I hope we're talking about the Texans. I wishful thinking, but, you know, hey, uh, if Carson Wentz can lead his team to the Super Bowl in the second year, I don't see why Deshaun Watson can't. Yeah, I, I, I'm – I'm worried about his touchdown rate being as high as it is, but uh, and I'm not expecting the Texans to be that good next year. I'm kind of worried about them uh, right now in general, but that's a that'd be cool. But I don't see it happen. That's a talk for hey, the time. Hey, the Eagles but. went from worst to first uh, this year, and you know, so it can happen. It can happen. If I, if I'm on the show this time next year, we're talking Texans and 49ers because you know the 49ers are going to Super Bowl next year. Then, yeah, I can dance on the show. Yeah, I hope that happens. But anyway, <laughs> thanks for being on tonight. BF, I mean, I'm, man, I'm so used to saying that every single week. Thanks for being on tonight, Jeremy. Uh, thanks for listening live. By listening live, and if you're listening record as well too, go ahead and tell your friends and family about the show. And uh, I hope you enjoy it whenever, you, however you're listening. But anyways, we'll be back on next week live at 7 p.m. Central, where we will review the Super Bowl. And we'll hand out some Texans awards. And the week after that, we should get diehard Chris on sometime to talk about the entire 2017 season, as well as some movies to make him happy. But for now, my name is Matt Weston. Thank you for being on tonight, Jeremy. And thank you for listening to Bell Red Radio. Tears run down from my eyes, Lord.
somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, Maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. <laughs> 